back on track with Bobby Care. Thanks to Bank of Ireland. We can, we will begin. Hello and welcome to Back on Track. Our aim is to find out how businesses have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, how they've adapted and what the outlook is for each sector moving forward. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on the retail sector and we've gathered a panel of experts and industry leaders to discuss what's happening. Later in the podcast, we'll be speaking to Bank of Ireland's Head of Retail, Owen Clifford. But first, I'm delighted to be joined by retail expert Eddie Shannon. Jean McCabe is the Vice Chair of Retail Excellence Ireland. And Declan Ronane is the Chief Executive of Woody's. You're all very welcome to the programme. Now, Eddie, we might start with you um, in relation to the sort of retail landscape. What are your thoughts of about the sector and about trade in general for the last three months? Well, I think, to be fair to the retail sector, it's important to start with some positives. Um, I, I, I think we've just seen... The sector highlight its resilient spirit over the last uh, couple of weeks. And I'm glad to see a resurgence in friendly service. And we've also seen uh, an emphasis on more locally uh, sourced products. So we have uh, local makers being supported by local shops, being supported by local consumers. And that's a good thing for the circular local economy. So there are some of the positives. We've also seen, of course, uh, more shops adopt um, a multi-channel approach to retailing, yeah. uh, which is certainly the way forward. But it's, it's not all rosy in the garden, as we know. Uh, many shops uh, have not reopened and will not reopen as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm not just talking here about the big names who were in trouble before uh, the situation arose. Uh, Many of them had not recovered fully from the previous crash. They were carrying debt. This is exacerbated now by heavy stocks um, that need to be converted into cash. We've lost a a full buying season. Uh, We have uh, no serious prospect of um, foreign tourists coming into the country at a critical time. Uh, And some retailers will rush to discounting uh, as a promotional strategy. That will see margin eroded and while they'll have some cash coming uh, through the tills uh, in the immediate future uh, having lost 14 weeks trading and given the cost of doing business there's further reckoning to come okay all right well that's a very balanced uh, analysis eddie and thank you for that um gene mccabe retail excellence can you give us the sort of uh, thoughts of your own members uh, thinking back over the last three months gene trade has been really mixed across the country we've seen that regional store locations tend to be trading a lot better so it kind of reinforces Eddie's point there about people are shopping local and a bit more conscious about where they're shopping and supporting small businesses um, across the country but the more suburb or more cities and so forth like that are definitely struggling um, to greater decreases of footfall so the city centres are, are finding a, a larger impact on their business um, you know some stores are reporting trade down anywhere between 50 and 10 percent depending on where you're located and uh, as Eddie had said you know it's it's really what happens over the next few months I think the impact of it will really be felt. Thanks for that Jean Um, just stand by a second because I want to bring in our third guest who's Declan Ronane 
the Chief Executive of Woody's. Good morning to you, Declan. I'm very well, and you? I'm very good. And tell me, tell me, Declan, if you wouldn't mind, uh, could you give me a kind of a summary of the last three months? And I know you had some challenges uh, getting open. There was some confusion in the early parts of the pandemic about uh, whether your sector should be open or closed. Uh, you did get open, and how have things been since? Yeah, well, uh, listen, we're, we're, we're a public company. We're part of the, uh, the Grafton Group. We update the stock market. So I can get very specific in terms of what has happened to us after we uh, we opened on May the 18th. And there was all sorts of triggeries about whether we should open or not. But anyway, we got ourselves open uh, on May the, uh, May the 18th. We anticipated reasonably strong demand, uh, but we didn't anticipate what actually came our way. Because uh, as we said to the markets in the 14 days that we traded, uh, in May, our sales comfortably exceeded the entirety uh, of wow. those in May 2019. Uh, and then going into the month of uh, the month of June to our half year, uh, we had a record sales month, uh, very much driven by by sales of seasonal and specifically gardening uh, gardening products. Uh, and I think that 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 points that points to a dynamic in in retail, which which if you sat back logically and thought thought, thought your way through it, I mean consumers are behaving as as you would almost expect them to behave, insofar as people are spending a lot of time at home, uh, and home home's a precious thing now, uh, and home 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 is obviously close to people's heart, home and family is where it's at, but I think that's been accentuated uh, by 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 the crisis we have. So you would see people like us. Uh, I think furniture people uh, have uh, uh, have done well. Anybody selling home-related products uh, is seeing demand as people look around them and go, I'm going to paint that wall, I'm going to replace that light. Actually, I can afford a new garden set, I'm going to, I'm going to have <clears> that. <throat> the bike people have done well. Yeah. Uh, I think the electrical people uh, have done well out of this as, as people see their homes. And it's almost a case, of, uh, I think, saying, that that those of us that uh, that trade out of town, if you like, so obviously we have we have rather large sheds. We've got lots of space. We can make people customers feel very very comfortable uh, within uh, uh, w- within that. We've got colleagues who are very much focused on their own safety and customer safety. Uh, there's a decent shopping experience, and people will come come and do it. And obviously, in the high street, it's a different ball game in petrol in four court retailing because people aren't travelling. It's a different ball game in pharmacies. A different ballgame, yeah, uh, and and it's, you see very much a polarized, uh, a polarized situation, and clearly the sooner we get out of it, the better. It, it's interesting you say that, Declan, and it was also, I suppose, noted by Eddie and Jean earlier that this shift to suburbia, let's call it for a second, with people, you know, staying in their own homes, and then really, you know, the shift, I suppose, from urban retail to suburban. The the long term effects of that are going to be significant, are they not? I, I'm going to go back to this whole Chinese thing that is way too. When he was talking about the French Revolution, I think Sen Xiaoping was saying it's too early to tell about 200 years later. I, I think we're way way too early uh, to be forecasting what's what's going to happen. So, and again, to give you a practical example of that, the last time I spoke to you, uh, we were uh, uh, we were in lockdown and our our online sales had gone entirely bananas. Uh, and we ended up having to close our site, uh, site down and so on and try, and try and process a lot of demand. Uh, and the assumption at that time was that uh, the world has entirely changed. It's going to be online now and nobody's going to want to come into a shop. And if you can do curbside collection, then you're, you're, you're home and host and so on. Uh, and we're open now. We're open now two months. Uh, and lo and behold, what has happened is the vast majority of our business 
is people coming into our shops. Uh, and there is clearly a growth in Click and Collect. Uh, we've just launched curbside, uh, curbside collections, which were now advertised. We actually started advertised for the first time in quite a while. Uh, and there hasn't been, you know, th- there's no revolution in our online business, but our online business is growing very, it's growing substantially, but it's growing substantially anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, but that has now been accelerated, but not to the extent where there is a revolution in, uh, uh, in retail. Uh, people are still coming out to shops and providing you have a set of colleagues on your floor that are very focused on delivering a decent experience for them, uh, I think people will come back to shops again and again. And equally, all of that, I'm saying, in, in a situation where consumers are feeling more confident to come out because, as a country, we've done a pretty decent job in, uh, in, in tackling this thing. So we may wave up, we may wave down, but to extrapolate long-term trends, I think is a bit premature. Okay, fair, fair comment. Eddie, just the, I know you're big on the, on the retail experience and, and, you know, the customer experience. Is there a danger, Eddie, that with PPE equipment, with the sterile environment that's now necessary, with queuing outside shops, with that it all, that the experience, you know, that, that intimate retail experience could be lost? And, and, and what can retail do to, to, to fight against that? Challenge, but there are lots of things we can do. Um, for, for example, uh, a very simple thing. If you have people queuing outside your shop, then your window becomes more important than it has been for a long, long time. And yeah. there are digital tools that can animate that window. Uh, there are also opportunities for, for, for people to uh, um, uh, contact or, 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 if you like, uh, have a discourse with their, their shopping communities uh, using digital tools, they can put up uh, demos and advice on YouTube and so on, and they can create a draw into the physical store and combine both physical and digital together. And it's very interesting to see that some of the big brands have certainly not lost their faith in bricks and mortar. And the new Rise formula from Nike, for example, which they've just launched in China, is a combination of digital tools, uh, both in-store and out, to in- in- improve the customer experience. And it, despite the fact that people have been wearing masks, customers and staff, I have found in all of my local shops in, in, in the village near where I live that this whole personal service has come back to the fore, that people smile, we all say hello and thank you. And it has regenerated that old sense of retail, that true sense of retail, where, where it's a community of, of people uh, working and supporting each other uh, in, in terms of, of the services provided and the way they're availed of. And I think this, the, what Declan is saying is absolutely true. Um, uh, we, but we will see, I hope, the revival of some of the small local towns that suffered very badly during the last downturn, where lots of people emigrated. And now what I'm hearing from wholesalers in particular is that it's those smaller towns where the reorders are coming from and people are not traveling to the bigger cities. Yeah. Um, so so uh, I, I think this is full of opportunity for, for clever, innovative retailers uh, to use digital tools. And, and digital is not a replacement for retail. It supplements retail. And I think clever retailers will see that and find ways to use it. Yeah, okay, all right. Gene, um, listening to what Eddie's saying there about uh, the customer experience, and I know you've, you're somebody who's done a lot of very innovative stuff with with customers in your shops. You know, the fact that it's so easy 
uh, and I'm a great advocate of, of bricks and mortar retail, but the fact that it's so easy to go onto your computer and not do putting on the mask, not do driving to the to the car park, sanitizing and all is is can can the experiential piece overcome that challenge that that that, that you know that 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 Joe Public will default to whatever suits him or her. Yeah, I, I think now a, a retailer's obligation is kind of customer care first and foremost, and then service is coming afterwards. So if I even look, you know, at the experience of my own customers that they walk in the door, and we were all about the experience um, from the minute you stepped inside the door, there are a lot more barriers to it, but doesn't mean it, it can fall flat. You can still be quite experiential about how you are approaching them, how you're making them feel safe, the messaging and in, in the way you do so and do that. Um, and as you mentioned there about the online piece, we would see that customers are actually embracing online that didn't embrace it before, but they're using that 360 approach to, to retail and to shopping. So they might be coming into the store, they might look and touch and feel it, they might not try it on because they might not be comfortable enough. They're going home, they're ordering it online, they might use click and collect and come back in. I actually, I think there's a bigger kind of uh, social shift here. Um, and I know Declan said we can't speculate, but if, if we look at uh, the way people are now working from home so much. That interaction has become golden. The interaction they get when they go into their local town or their local store and go shopping, um, that's become quite special because they're craving that social interaction. So there's a real opportunity around that. But if you look at likelihood is a lot of people aren't going to be back into their offices five days a week for some time. So they're going to be working from home for even a period of the week and that could end up staying. So let's say people are working home two days a week, they're going into their office three days a week. That does have a massive impact on footfall in those big urban centres and cities and so forth. Yeah, But there's an opportunity in that because all of a sudden now somebody only needs to be in Dublin two days a week or three days a week. That allows them to relocate into those more rural areas. So there's an opportunity for rural Ireland to become alive out of this. And if there's going to be one positive, I hope that's it. And then the customers get to stay in the localities that they grew up in. They're only commuting to the, the big urban centres two or three days a week. And now all of a sudden they're eating, shopping locally, much more so than they did before. And that we could see a, a little bit of a revival. And that's my, I suppose, positive if they yeah. to come out of this. Uh, I would hope that would be it. I think you're right. Uh, someone was saying to me last week, you could move from Donnybrook to Dunmanway and trouser 200 grand and start your new life. Uh, and wouldn't that be just great? Declan, can I, can I, we had the retails, uh, the stimulus package uh, a number of weeks ago now. Um, uh, just in terms of the government providing a good environment for retail to survive and indeed we all hope thrive, there was a small uh, reduction in the, in the VAT rate. But the big, the big uh, player here is the temporary wage uh, subsidy scheme. That, that really trumps any other initiative. And that now looks to be with us uh, into the spring of next year. How important is that to, you know, to fundamentally underwrite uh, the retail cost base? Uh, well, if you, the retail cost base primarily consists of the, of the cost of the people who serve your customers and the cost of the places you serve them uh, you serve them from. Uh, and obviously, I think we, when the wage subsidy scheme came in at first, it was an absolute godsend uh, because obviously, if you've closed the doors for 
an indeterminate period of weeks, uh, you uh, uh, you question your cost base and you're going to take very rapid actions to address it uh, if you're faced with a crisis. And that just gave us all the breathing space to uh, uh, to figure out uh, to figure out what to uh, what to do. Uh, you 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 have to uh, you have to hand it to the government for the speed with which that came into place. You have to hand it to the government for the uh, for, for the uh, the quite surprising part of the uh, uh, of the VAT reduction. Uh, which I think gives retailers all sorts of options to ensure that they can get through the next uh, uh, the next the next number of months. But there is an element of we're all in this together as well, and I think that th- there really is a troika between retailers themselves, uh, between the government and the support that 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 they have, and then we have our old friend uh, uh, the property people, our landlords, uh, uh, and that's the one part of the sector that we we've engaged with our landlords, as I'm sure lots and lots of other retailers have. Uh, and in fairness, we have found some of our landlords extremely supportive. Uh, and then we have uh, a few others who've got their heads stuck in the uh, in the sand. Uh, and I think if we uh, if if we just create a virtuous circle where listen, as retailers, we've got to put our hands in our pockets too. The government clearly shown uh, a willingness to do that. Property sector needs to do all of that, and then we can truly turn around, hopefully, at the end of this and say we actually all were genuinely in this together. Yeah, Gene, your your own uh, organisation, Retail Excellence, uh, proposed a scheme where landlords, uh, I think, would take a twenty percent. There was a was it sixty twenty twenty? You were talking. Am I right? Uh, um, yeah, no, we, we actually called on government to provide a facility for the like of an arbitration type process so that there was a more of a transparent and kind of fair sharing of the pain. Um, like we're seeing that, you know, the smaller stores are actually probably getting picked off by the, the landlords. They're doing deals behind each other's backs. They don't know, you know, what's actually happening in the marketplace. And we were looking for more of a transparent method to be put in place that a mediation could happen between landlords and tenants and that it'd be uh, much more of a sharing of the pain because, as Dex said, some have been, um, you know, considered, but there's just a, a lot, lot more that haven't been as considerate for, for tenants that have had their doors closed for three months. And as he said, we are in all this in this together. And we had been looking for government to provide a facility to allow a more transparent process to happen. So it looks like it's not, it doesn't look like it isn't anything mentioned so far, but we will keep uh, banging, banging the table on yeah, that. Yeah, like government. a lot of the, you know, you, you see uh, people saying it's unconstitutional and you're in, interfering with property rights and all these kind of red herrings that yeah. get thrown out. But at the end of the day, Eddie Shanahan, if... You know, if retail, particularly in urban centres, is struggling, it can only end one way for the property market in those places. Uh, Can it not? Absolutely. And, you know, I've said for for many, many years that uh, for a country the size of ours, we are overshopped. So the landlords need to take this into account. And they have an option now to uh, come to uh, agreeable arrangements with their tenants or to face the prospect of, of, of empty units. And we're already seeing it. We're seeing it in, in, in the big, high-profile centres as well as the small town centres. Uh, you know, I, I can remember visits to various towns uh, uh, for, for your programme, uh, uh, Bobby, uh, over the last year or so. And without exception, then, before... COVID-19, there were boarded up shops and in some towns considerable numbers of them. Um, but th- there's, there's another issue too that I think we need to, 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 to remember in this mix and that is the cost of insurance. Uh, 
Yeah. Because that is a huge burden uh, uh, on, on, on retailers. And while I, I'm, I'm impressed by the, the range of, uh, 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 and, and scope of the, the, the packages available to retailers now from uh, the, the $8 million, uh, subsidy to get more of them online and to become multi-channel to the, uh, the wage support grants and so on, um, I, I, I noticed, you know, as all of us did, our gardens flourished during the, the lockdown. But still to this day, money doesn't grow on my trees. And somebody has to pay for all of this at the end of the day. And I think we need to be sure that things like PRSI don't creep up in the next budget. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, you know, the, the, the model is, Eddie, that, you know, ultimately it's the customer who pays uh, in one way or another. Uh, whether they pay it at the till, they pay it by increased taxation, but ultimately... Uh, anything that's provided has to be paid for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Declan, if uh, if we if we look forward now, uh, as things start to sort of stabilise or hopefully stabilise, um, what do you think? Is there any other sort of hangovers post COVID? Like, what about the cashless society? Are we are we a few steps closer to that? Uh, in, interestingly, there was a point in lockdown where we uh, where we questioned ourselves as to whether we should uh, we, we we should simply move on to card only uh, and stay away from cash. Uh, and we had a vibrant debate in that uh, uh, within our leadership team. Uh, and and ultimately, we decided uh, we decided not to. Uh, and uh, and uh, some people that we compete with uh, decided too, and we thought, okay, this is going to be interesting to see uh, to see how this pans out. Uh, and ultimately, we felt we made the right decision. Yeah. Uh, we, we made assumptions about the amount of cash that we would take uh, post reopening, uh, and the amount of cash we actually took was double that as a percentage. Uh, there are still many customers out there. And listen, I'm quite sure, Bobby, you're as digital as I'm digital. And I'm an alpha like yourself. Uh, <laughs> you go back into the, 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 the young people, they are just way off scale digital relative to ourselves. But there is still a substantial cohort of people who prefer to operate in, in cash. Uh, clearly, if I look back over the last number of years at the, uh, at the percentage of card transactions that we, that we take, uh, that is that is moving in a direction that will point to it, and it's almost a little bit about the point I made about online earlier. I think it will accelerate things, but at this stage, my judgment would be that that acceleration will not be as much as people were talking about, uh, uh, sort of even two months ago. Back on track with Bobby Care. Thanks to Bank of Ireland, we can, we will, begin. Just to remind you who our guests are again, and thank you for joining us. We've got Eddie Shannon. He's a retail expert. Jean McCabe, she's the Vice Chair of Retail Excellence Ireland and her own business, Willow. And Declan Ronane is the Chief Executive of Woody's. Jean, if I go back to you just for a second, and uh, as you look forward now, and, you know, we we kind of have a better uh, scenario of where we are, even though sales are challenging, and as we discussed earlier, uh, the movement of uh, of footfall, etc. But you know, if you look at your even your own business, um, as customers start to come back, uh, have you got any cause to be somewhat optimistic looking forward? Um, yes, I, I think from my own business, I have seen a, a phenomenal growth in our online platform, which um, 
you know, really flourished during during the, the lockdown. And I was very glad to have been pretty well established online previous to it. So I, I would see for us our, our growth and the area that we're going to be focusing on is in our online, not just from a um, you know, online only perspective, but you know, driving footfall back in the store doors also. I see see that as a big piece of um driving that footfall in and I do see customers it's not it's not one or the other it's a it's a real 360 approach into how they shop they they like to use both platforms they like to walk in the door they still like the convenience of the online so I think both play work hand in hand and I think if you look at some of the most successful retailers around is they have a really strong online platform because it is a big driver of footfall back in their door I think if there's anything to come out of this it's bringing a lot of SMEs online and giving them that digital space and giving them that opportunity to drive footfall back in their door I actually have an interesting stat for you, Bobby. So out of our stores, our boat locations in Ennis and Galway, 50% of our orders online are local. So they're within 30k of either store. That's and of that, Yeah, and yeah. of that, half of them will come in store to pick it up. So if you think about 25% of all our online sales are click and collects inside in the store, which is a big footfall, footfall driver back in. And if you picture a small town like Ennis, for example, and you look at all the small stores, if those small stores get the opportunity to go online, and they get the opportunity to drive footfall back in their door the way I do, you will see town centres and small villages stay alive across the country. And that's what my uh, hope will be out of this. That's great. And, and that's a very, very interesting statistic. Eddie, just um, maybe last word to you uh, in terms of, uh, is there anything, the, the interesting thing about COVID-19 is that it it truly is international. And, you know, if you look internationally, you know, lots of other countries have had similar experiences to us, some worse, maybe some slightly better. Um, so I suppose on a world stage, we're all in this together, uh, to use that horrible cliche. But is there anything happening internationally, uh, do you think, that, that we can actually learn from, from a retail perspective? It's about calm, convenient commerce. And it's about the things my colleagues have mentioned already uh, today. It's about listening to the customer, giving the customer confidence uh, to use the various channels at their will. It's about maybe considering things like better scheduling of staff, opening for longer hours. Uh, it's about payment options and not, uh, you know, as Declan said, not just jumping on one uh, and disregarding the other. Um, it's about providing things like uh, personal shopping services and appointments for people who need that. It's about securing our supply channels. And I think in that regard, we need to start, whether we're selling home or, or fashion or, or entertainment products, we need to start working with local suppliers because there is a very strong possibility of a second wave uh, between now and when we have a vaccine. And, and we will need those local suppliers and they need us. They need retailers. And I think that collaboration would also be a very, very useful part of the overall solution to the challenges we face now. Well, listen, it's been a, a fantastic discussion. I want to thank um, my guests, retail expert Eddie Shanahan, Jean McCabe, Vice Chair of Retail Excellence Ireland and Willow, and Declan Ronan, Chief Executive of Woody's. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your wisdom and we wish you every success in your retail. Thank you. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. Back on track with Bobby Care. Thanks to Bank of Ireland. We can, we will begin.
Now, Bank of Ireland are also making their own efforts to get businesses back on track, particularly in the retail sector. Their head of retail joins me now on the line, Owen Clifford. You're very welcome to the programme. Hi, Bobby. How are you? Now, Owen, you might give us uh, a kind of an overall summation of where you think the retail sector is at right now, if you would. Yes, look, look, Bobby, as you well know, retail is a wide-ranging sector. And what we're seeing at the moment is a large divergence in performance, um, particularly between grocery and non-grocery. And the, the way we're all shopping for both essential and discretionary items has, has really changed. Our shopping behaviour, I suppose it could be described now, as more functional and, and predetermined. And there's still a hesitancy to enter stores. The feedback from retailers is that the conversion rate is high. When people are entering the store, they are spending. However, the, the impulse shopper has all but disappeared. And I think that's understandable that despite the best efforts of retailers, that the consumer concerns in respect of health and safety remain. And it's a, it's a real challenge for retailers how to stimulate that, that impulse buying and how to keep engaged and connected with customers who are hesitant to enter a store unless they have a predetermined purchasing need. But I still feel there's a real opportunity for smaller stores um, to provide a more accessible option for the consumers, especially now coming into um, autumn and winter, will the customer be prepared to queue in the, the cold and the wind and the rain outside larger stores? I, I don't think so. I think smaller regional stores, they, they can offer less queues, they're closer, they can deliver an upweighted customer-centric click-and-collect option. And with, with more people now working remotely and working from home, the, the towns and the suburbs, they should benefit from yeah. increased footfall versus yeah. the city centre. So it's I, I think they need to capitalise on that. Bob, it, you know? It's interesting you say that, and, and I think I totally agree with you, that if if shopping becomes like a hassle, if it becomes a dread that you'll be waiting outside in the cold, as you say, that there's a whole sterile thing mm. around, you know, getting geared up to go shopping and that, it'll definitely mean that people will want to go less frequently. I think that's a certainty. But I also agree with you on the upside that there's a real opportunity in suburbia for the local butcher, the local baker now to really, really make hay because people, A, are going to be in the proximity because they're working from home and B, I think people genuinely want to support small yeah. retailers. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that, I think that, goes, that goes without saying. And I, I think the, the, the other area as well, as a, that's an opportunity out there, Bobby, is... We've seen numerous commentators speak around the, the online opportunity. And, and I think that, you know, online and bricks and mortar are absolutely complementary and that those local businesses can, very easily can create an, on, an online um, channel as well for them. Yeah. At the moment, there, there, there's an alarming statistic out there, Bobby, at the moment that 70% of, of online sales are going, are going overseas. So as a sector, I think us, the retail sector, we need to work collaboratively to to onshore online and to, to rectify that, that alarming statistic at the moment because the, the, the people want accessibility and they want choice. And the optimum for me is an omni-channel approach where people can use online, use the bricks and mortar channel. And especially when there's that, that hesitancy there at the moment, the retailers, they need to use the online channel as maybe a, a, a catalyst to, to bring people and to encourage people and to entice people back into their stores and then have their bricks and mortar store as as a showcase for, yeah. their, for their business and and again also to, to to deliver excellent standards and service irrespective of the channel. Yeah, the, the core principles of retail are still the same, Bobby. So people expect stand excellent standards and service. 
accessibility and value. And for me, it's it's a, a combination of online and bricks and mortar that's the optimum in that respect. Yeah, I I I think with with uh, with online, there's been COVID nineteen has I suppose provided an acceleration, particularly as you said in grocery, where there probably won't be any turning back from that. That more people will choose to use the online channel to buy their groceries than ever did before. And that's probably with us into the future. Uh, would you agree with that? I, I'd agree with that. I think we're starting from a low base in terms of grocery, Bobby, that you're looking at probably 3 to 4% of yeah. all grocery sales are there. The one thing that, that I would say around, around um, online for groceries, it is quite an expensive channel. And so the, the feedback that I've been getting from, from retailers is that they've been surprised at the delivery and the picking costs that are associated with online I suppose previously that would have been absorbed uh, given the low, the low volumes within their bricks and mortar store. And as the volumes increased, they saw that, you know, the margin they were actually generating from it wasn't as, yeah. as strong as they thought that it would They're be. They're going to so, have to charge for it. There's no doubt about that. And people will have to pay, uh, I would suggest, significantly extra. And that's the final thing I wanted to talk to you about, Owen, was, you know, the competitiveness of the sector. Um, are people now, because I, I'm not sure we... The real recession has hit us yet, and you know, will we now be looking at a at a real, I suppose, value proposition that retailers will have, and maybe a price war? Do you see that coming? I, I would hope that we won't we won't be going down the price war. Certainly, in some subsectors, people will need to to focus on price that because of the competition that is there. What I what I would always encourage retailers is that you don't want to go down solely on price. If your proposition is solely on price, you can get into that discount spiral. And for many of the smaller retailers out there, that's a, an unsustainable model. I think what they need to focus on is is value. And, and value, price being one element, sustainability being another, the Irishness of the product, supporting the, the customer with their health and wellness agenda, being environmentally friendly. And, and given that proposition to, to the consumer, there's such great goodwill out there at the moment from the, the consumer towards the, towards the Irish retailer because they, they feel that Irish retailers have stood up during the pandemic and are an, an intrinsic part of their local communities. They want to support them. So focusing on a, a, a holistic approach uh, towards, towards a value proposition is where they need to go. Certainly, though, in some subsectors, Bobby, we will see um, price becoming an issue. And it, even in the grocery sector, we've seen in, in the UK where, where Tesco have, have been in touch with their suppliers saying that they want to have uh, 10% uh, decrease in the cost base because they want to compete with the, the discounters in the UK. And we may see more of that, the squeeze being put on some, some suppliers from, from larger multiples that way seeking to, to focus on price for okay. the consumer. Work. And finally then, Owen, are you optimistic for the sector going forward? Look, Bobby, I'm a realist. I, um, there's challenging times ahead for sure, but... Yeah, look, I, I am positive for the future. I think the CSO numbers that have been recently released for the month of June demonstrate that there is positivity in the marketplace. I do take into account that there was some pent-up demand in terms of the sales included there. But look, we, we have world-class retailers here. We're the, we're the template for other countries. Retailers come on safari to Ireland every year to see the best in, in class practices that we have. We have that opportunity that I spoke about onshoring online, making sure if people are purchasing online that they actually use an Irish company as opposed to, to a non-Irish company for their online purchase. And, and, and finally, there's that great goodwill out there to, to support I, Irish retailers at, at the moment. M Mary Portis, who, who you'd well know. Um, I do, yeah. Said, yeah, Mary said recently that we, th we have to think of every euro 
that we spend as a vote for the type of community that we want. And I think we all need to remember that when we're making our purchasing decisions in the future and, and support Irish retail as best we can. All right, Owen Clifford there, uh, the uh, retail expert with Bank of Ireland. Thank you very much for joining me, Owen. And a big thanks indeed to all my guests. And you can download the podcast on the News Talk app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much. Back on track with Bobby Kerr. Thanks to Bank of Ireland. We can, we will begin. Uh.